Hello, and welcome to 404 Podcast Found. I'm your host, Owen Godimer. This episode is brought to you by Coveros Training, offering expert training in Agile, DevOps, testing, and more. We'll have more on that later. For now, let's jump into the episode. Ryan Kenny is an experienced Agile dev turned DevOps engineer at Coveros, who has worked on large-scale Agile development projects for both commercial and public sector clients. I recently sat down with Ryan and talked about the difference between containers, container engines, and container orchestration, using containers in your CI CD pipelines, and the cost of security. A good way to understand containers is to compare, compare them to something you might already be familiar with, such as virtual machines uh, and virtualization. So whereas with virtualization, you're abstracting away the hardware, you're, um, you're encapsulating the OS, with containers, it's just the next layer up, um, and you're you're virtualizing the process itself within the OS. So, um, with virtual machines, you know you have multiple virtual machines running in on the same hardware, but they think they have different hardware. Uh, you can have multiple containers running in you know one OS, but they have different views of what the kernel is. The kernel being the the core of the OS, if you're not familiar. Um, so that's, yeah, in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of what a container is uh, for, yeah, the, that's the best non-technical understanding. Now there's certainly a lot more, there's a much deeper dive we could do um, into the details of how containers work, but I think that's probably beyond the scope of what you want to hear about. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> answer. You know me. Yeah. Um, I think I, just getting that basic understanding of, uh, of what it is and, and people who can want to dive in and learn specifically more about the mm-hmm. technical component, there's tons of resources out there to, to make that happen. Um, but mm-hmm. I think some, some things that people would be interested from a high level uh, mm-hmm. if they're just learning about containers or if they're just learning about kind of this space in general yeah. is what benefits do containers offer teams as they're trying to build their software. Okay, um, I'd say probably speed and um, resource utilization. So, I mean, you sort of got resource utilization with virtualization. It was easy to spin up multiple machines with a, you know, some set of hardware. Um, with virtual or with containerization, rather, you can do that much. You can have a much more um, fine-grained management of your, you know, of your system resources. Uh, it takes a lot longer to spin up a VM than it does to, to spin up a container. It's easier to, like, it's less than 50 milliseconds to spin up a container. Uh, it's not that fast for virtual machines. So, I mean, th- there's an immediate speed benefit there. Um, so that, that's just off the top of my head. Um, what was the other one I mentioned? Resource utilization, speed. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess we've got it covered. Uh, those those are the two big the two big things people are looking for when they're when they're um, considering containers. Right, and they're they're looking at containers as a way to improve their speed or improve their resource utilization. Mm-hmm. But containers don't solve the problem for everyone. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily just because they provide the benefit of speed and resource utilization doesn't mean that just because those are the two problems you're facing that necessarily containers are the right answer for you. Yeah, or that you'll get those things from it. So there's the concept that your application has to be easy to containerize in order for you to get some of those benefits. So for example, if your if your application can't scale, 
um, or doesn't work when scaled, then if you were to try, say, putting your application behind a load balancer, um, you don't get any benefits from it, right? Because a, a load balancer works by um, you know, scaling uh, and, and shifting traffic to multiple copies. But if your application doesn't support it, you're not going to get any benefit. And so the same is true with containers. There are certain, you have to be sort of ready to, to put your application in a container. Uh, one of the big ways to do that is to make sure your, your application as it is written isn't you know, highly tethered to its deployment environment. So if it's very aware of its surroundings and needs very specific um, things to be in certain places, then you're, you know, you're not gonna get any of the benefits of containerization. Uh, microservices, that's a buzzword people like to use, they tend to fit the paradigm a little bit better because with containers, it's all about, you know, containers are easily throwawayable, um, you know, they're disposable, you just have a bunch of them running, um, you know, you treat them like, oh shoot, what's that phrase? You know, you tr treat your containers like cattle, not like pets. So none of them are special, they're just all blind copies. Um, whereas if your application is not made to run that way, you know, you're not doing microservices, you have very particular, um, have a, a very particular set of circumstances that make your application work, uh, then yeah, you won't get any benefits. Right, so that's obviously one of the challenges of yeah. containers is that, you know, they can't be tethered to specific environments that you mm -hmm. maybe previously built your legacy application on. Uh, and you know, one of the other th challenges is that technical debt piece is mm -hmm. making sure that the 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 application itself is ready to be containerized. Yeah. What are some other challenges, if there are any, that you yeah. kind of have seen uh, while transitioning and using containers? So, issues with using containers. I I guess one would be, and I don't know if this is. Um, something we were going to talk about later, but I, one of the issues with containers is if they're not, um, if you're not using a tool to orchestrate them, so if you're trying to manage your containers manually and you're trying to run a, you know, something more complicated than Hello World, then you're probably going to run into issues. Now, most people don't, like a lot of people now, uh, just since containers have been around and everybody's talking about if you've heard of Kubernetes, a lot of people talk about tools like that. So a lot of people are trying to start with the orchestration tool right out the bat, which poses its own set of challenges, but that at least solves that problem. But if you look back when Docker was just sort of becoming, becoming popular, uh, one of the problems you would see was, you know, people had all, they, they wanted to use this cool technology and they didn't know how to scale it. So, yeah, so, mm -hmm. You mentioned a couple of tools there. I want to uh, okay. start with the latter, uh, okay. which is Docker, yep. and kind of answering what is Docker and how is it different mm -hmm. than a container, and how is it different from what we'll talk about in a minute, container okay. uh, orchestration. Okay. Um, well, the first one is Docker being different from containers. So it's interesting the way people, what people mean when they say Docker. So Docker is a container engine. So if you were to go to the internet and and say I want to download Docker, what you're downloading is the Docker container engine, and there are several competitors to that, but as far as I know, you know they're, they're still not as popular. I don't think they have as much market share as Docker does. I haven't checked recently, but I still don't hear people talking about them much. Uh, 
Cryo. It, I think it's cr.io or something like that. And then Rocket. I think they're also .io. People really love that extension. Um, so, you know, they're all... They're, we should change the podcast yes. to 404podcastfound.io. Yeah. yeah, let's do no, it. That'll make you really trendy and <laughs> yeah. cool. Um, yeah, so, so Rocket and Cryo are two big ones. Um, well, as big as you can be when competing against Docker. Uh, so that was your first question is what is Docker? So, and then is it different from a container? Yeah, Docker runs containers, but a lot of times people use like... People just say, when they mean containers generally, they'll just say Docker containers and it doesn't really make a difference. Um, it, colloquially, it doesn't. I mean, there can, there can certainly be issues, like if you are talking, if you're running something else, um, that can start to become an issue. But again, since most people are running Docker, it's people just use them interchangeably. Um, so that might be where the confusion was. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that, uh, you know, the, the next step beyond Docker, so you have the you have the containers, mm -hmm. you have the container engine being Docker running mm -hmm. those containers. Yeah. Then you have the what you mentioned as container orchestration, and yeah. the tool you mentioned was Kubernetes. That's yep. not the only tool out there, but that's the one that that uh, you you know you're familiar with as well as some others, but kind of the more popular one right now. I so again I. Don't quote me on this, but I believe it is still... We're going to quote you. But. Oh, good. I believe it's still currently the most popular tool. Um, I don't think it's been overtaken by OpenShift. And that also doesn't... There are variations of Kubernetes. So there's you know installing it um, yourself, and then there's using like a managed version, version in Google Cloud or in AWS. But all of those things together, if you just call that Kubernetes, I believe it's the most popular. Um, so what so, is Kubernetes? Yeah, so, well, you said before, container orchestration. Um, it's not a whole lot more complicated than that. Kubernetes manages um, running your containers. So with Docker, um, since that's what we've been talking about, when you, you know, you can easily spin up containers, you say Docker run, and you give it an image that's like a container template, um, and then you, you create an instance of a container. And then if you want to do any more configuration, you know, you have to specify all this stuff. Um, and Docker, just like most applications, it runs on a single machine. But, you know, I, I think I said Kubernetes cluster. So Kubernetes, Kubernetes is a clustered application. So it's basically a bunch of machines all running Docker or Cryo or Rocket um, and running containers sort of but but managed through a single interface. And so that's like the Kubernetes API. So you interact with this API and then you can spin up containers to say I want to have 10 copies of my application because it's, you know, my application sleek and robust and I can load balance it. Well, now I can load balance it across, let's say I've got a cluster with five nodes. So like five machines all running Docker. Um, and, I, and then I could spin up 10 copies of it, I think I said. You know, I, there could be like two running on this node, two running on this other one, and they can all communicate effectively and they, they can all do what they need to do and that's all managed by Kubernetes. So I didn't have to do any networking. I didn't have to do any of the logic for load balancing. I didn't have to do any of that because it's all, they're all Kubernetes constructs. It's all based on how Kubernetes itself runs. So what I did was I said, this is the Docker image I want. This is how many copies of it I want. Um, and if I, if I wanted to, I could say like only run it on these nodes or only do this other stuff, but by, it, you know, it has stuff it can do by default and I don't have to be overly explicit to get something up and running.
So Kubernetes really helps facilitate that, you know, the the, the managing and of the run of your containers no. and helps kind of with the scalability of being able to to run these containers across a load of different uh, mm-hmm. application or the application across a load of different containers. Yep. Um, that's obviously a chief benefit of using a tool like Kubernetes container orchest- orchestration tool. What are some of the challenges that you face in using container orchestration mm-hmm. tools like Kubernetes or Red Hat's mm-hmm. OpenShift? So I, I guess, it, you know, so it always depends on, on which variant you're using. So for Kubernetes, I'd say, um, Probably the biggest challenge is security. So Kubernetes is insecure by default, which is to say not that Kubernetes can't be secured or that you know it's you have to bend over backwards in order to in order to lock it down. But in order to drive adoption, basically they they made it insecure, so it was easy to get something up and running. Um, again, so it's easy to get started, but it takes a little bit of knowledge and understanding in order to get it um, fully secured. Which is, I, I think that's a good model. Um, so you, we talked about uh, Red Hat's OpenShift. So they took a, a, a different approach. Their model is it's more secure by default. Um, and part of the reason for that is they're not trying to drive widespread adoption and utilization um, of the tool like, uh, you know, like Google is doing for Kubernetes. But what they want instead is for you to pay for their support. That's, that's their model. Um, if you're getting OpenShift, a lot of times you get, you know, Red Hat, a Red Hat team to come set it up and and help teach your people and help manage it for you. So that's kind of what they want. Um, but security still, I mean, that that comes at a cost. So no matter how you choose to address it, security is going to be a thing you have to worry about. Security is such a hot button topic right now as well. What are things and some steps? that people can take as they, maybe as they start to use the containerization tools yeah. to make their applications and their containerization itself mm-hmm. more secure? So I would say it all starts with, um, so you, ha- you have to know the tools of, you know, that are in use. So, I mean, a, no tool is going to solve all your problems, but a lot of problems can't be solved without the help of tools. Um, and so knowing where to get started is probably a good one. Um, so looking up security tools that are sort of more container friendly and, and, and kind of know about this stuff and, and were built to handle this um, just off the top of my head. So like Twistlock is a good one. They're kind of an all-in-one, um, like they do, they do monitoring, they do host scanning. So like they, they scan your Kubernetes nodes. Um, they also scan running containers on your cluster. Um, they also have like a static uh, analysis tool that can scan your images. That's that's less useful for like the cluster, and it's more useful for the applications you're building that you want to run on the cluster. But so that, that's Twistlock. That's one. Um, a couple others. I don't know if they're direct competitors, just because they're not kind of the same all-in-one suite. But there's like Sysdig, Falco, Aqua. Uh, just, if you just Google those words and Kubernetes or something, um, you'll you know, you'll be on the right track. There's plenty of people have written plenty of stuff out there about um, comparing the tools and pricing and and stuff like that. As teams start to use the containerization, Kubernetes, mm-hmm. Docker, etc., mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these teams are using it to help facilitate their CI/CD pipelines, mm-hmm. and 
when we're building those CI/CD pipelines to help facilitate mm. our applications and, and whatnot, security obviously plays a big role into that. Mm -hmm. You wanna talk about how Kubernetes and Docker and containerization in general can help mm -hmm. facilitate your CI/CD pipeline? Yeah. Uh, and then we'll follow up with security-related questions sure. for that. Um, so I guess there's, you know, when you, when you say you wanna use containers and Kubernetes and stuff like that, so there's two ways you can use it. And we talked about the first, which is using it for your application. Um, and so as far as how that affects the pipeline, you're building a different artifact. Um, whatever CI CD tool you're using needs to know how to build Docker images. So that's, that's a thing. You have to have a place to store them. Um, but probably more interestingly is using those technologies in the pipeline itself. So a pipeline is just, you know, going from source code to deployment um, with quality gates in between and, and doing a bunch of cool stuff there, running tests and whatnot. Um, but it's all just executing stuff. So I have a task that runs my static analysis. I have a task that runs my unit test. Um, and that's all just code being executed somewhere. In Jenkins, uh, it's something that's getting run on it, what's called a Jenkins agent. Um, it's like doing the actual work. So when you talk about using Kubernetes and Docker containers in your CI/CD pipeline, what we're really talking about doing is taking all that executable work and offloading them into containers. Um, and why is that important? So that can be helpful in that if you've ever you know managed Jenkins or had to administrate Jenkins, your you know your your agents end up getting fairly you know, loaded down with all the various tools that developers want and need, and things like that. You generally have developers that have to ask an operations person to install some stuff just because you can't trust the developers to install stuff here. Mm -hmm. Because again, these are static agents. If, if they break something, then, you know, someone in ops has to go and fix it. And you ha then you, you know, you have this silo. Um, with Kubernetes, it's interesting because, you know, J Jenkins integrates nicely with Kubernetes. And what you can do is you have Jenkins master able to talk to a Kubernetes cluster and spin up containers on demand to run tasks in your CI CD pipeline. All you have to do is provide the Docker image. Remember that was a template for running a container. So this actually allows developers to work more closely sort of in the ops space and that they can define the environment in which they want the pipeline to run um, or at least a specific task to run. So they're no longer just making some change to the application, throwing it over the wall, saying it's ops's problem, you know, th they can be involved in that process as well. So it's, you can, it, it's better use of your resources like we talked about before, but it's also like, you think culturally, it's, it's breaking down the barriers um, a little nicer. Again, a tool won't force you to do that, but in this case, it certainly doesn't hurt. So it really helps kind of connect the dev and the ops to form that that DevOps. And one of the, the buzzwords that we're hearing right now is DevSecOps. And you touched on security and yeah. now Kubernetes has some security vulnerabilities and Red Hat mm -hmm. is kind of built more securely, but maybe mm -hmm. a little bit more difficult to manage in-house. What pieces of the security, you mentioned also a couple of security tools. Yeah. Can those security tools kind of flow right into that CI CD pipeline being orchestrated by your containerization tools? Yeah, and so that's why, I mean, theoretically, any tool that you're talking about, so like you don't have to have an application that runs as a Docker container in order to use Docker containers in your CI CD pipeline. I think it would help, um, but, or it's rather, it's a, it's a good direction to go, 
but you can still get value in doing it. So while you know, using a, a newer tool like Twistlock to do your container scanning, yeah, you can integrate that right into your, into your um, pipeline, but you could also integrate any other security scanning tools that you were using as well. Um, as long, again, the key thing is just that you have a Docker image that's um, you know, taking some inputs like your, your application source code or your application binary and then running the tool on it and then producing results. Yeah, I, I heard a, a stat. I don't want to quote the stat because I don't remember it specifically, but it mm -hmm. was some ridiculous amount of companies that don't even do like the bare minimum security scanning on their application. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like 95% don't do mm -hmm. like even the most mm -hmm. basic security scanning. So mm -hmm. I think even the idea of being able to kind of integrate the security tools into a pipeline that is running in the virtual space that is orchestrated by Kubernetes so that mm -hmm. you don't have to remember necessarily to click that button every time and it's just kind of part of the, the pipeline mm -hmm. um, is going to help a lot of companies out. Yeah, the well, the, the flip side of that is there are places that are running security scanning tools, running it. Okay. Like that's it. They don't look at right, the results. Right, 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 right. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they yeah, don't yeah. look at the results. They don't, yes. or, or if they do, they don't, you know, don't really act on it or do anything. Um, you know, and sometimes there are good reasons for like, hey, there is this vulnerability, but you know, we've done some analysis and we don't think this should break the pipeline. Okay, you looked at it, that's right. There are less savory cases where it's like, we really need to go to production. This is a legit issue, but we're probably going to fix it before it becomes a problem. And then there are places that just, yeah, I don't care, just release it. The, you know, for whatever reason, they, the results are there, they're just choosing to ignore it. Um, so, and, and some places recognize what they're doing is bad. Other places are, you know, think, hey, we're running these security scanning tools because that's the measure by which my job performance is, uh, you know, that's how my job performance is measured is what tools we're running, not what we're doing about it, so. Uh, I, you know, we're A-OK -okay by, by me, so. Right, it all comes Lots down to what the business is trying to accomplish, what problems they have, mm -hmm. and what, what, I guess, challenges and uh, risks are they willing to take, you know? Yeah. They, they, it's important that we get them mm -hmm. as developers, as people, testers, as people in the development uh, life cycle, that we mm -hmm. provide them with the information to make the decisions based on security vulnerabilities that we've found or security risks that we've kind of yeah. highlighted for them. Uh -huh. For people who are new to this space and maybe are you know kind of getting their first glimpse really into containers and Docker and Kubernetes and, and all of these different tools, uh -huh. what are some steps and some resources they can take to get started? So there's there are a few nice answers and a few not nice ones. Um, the short version is you're probably going to have to spend money, but there are there are free resources out there. Um, the Kubernetes documentation is is pretty good. There's the Linux Foundation. I believe they have a free like intro to Kubernetes course, but it's like there's one you pay for that's like a, meant to be a forty hour course, um, and then there's like a free one, but it's like a couple hours or something like it's again just to give you a taste so you buy the product but it's good like they they produce good quality stuff um they're you know shameless plug so we do we do training on docker and kubernetes and also we do coaching and helping get stuff set up so you know there's 
There's external consulting companies. Again, the, the best options are probably going to involve spending money for your organization. If you're a highly motivated individual and you're looking to learn, um, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. There's, there is free documentation out there. There's, um, uh, there, there's, I think it's a Kelsey Hightower does the, there's Kubernetes the hard way. Um, so there, there's like, it's a, it's a Git repo that like has you install Kubernetes, uh, Kubernetes cluster, but using like zero automation. So you really learn the ins and outs of it. So there, there's lots of cool stuff out there and that's free, but it takes a lot more work. If you're, you know, a, a, a manager and you're looking to get a team onboarded, um, you're probably better off with like one of these courses or something just because yeah it's 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 less work you know you know what you're getting and, and how you're doing it as promised here is some more about Covero's training with Covero's training you learn what you need no matter where you and your team are with online instructor-led live virtual learning Visit training.coveros.com to see upcoming classes in Agile, DevOps, test automation, and more. Plus, explore our volume discounts for groups and our private scheduling options. Coveros Training, learning delivered. We'd love to continue this conversation and more on the TechWell Hub. You can join our Slack community at hub.techwell.com. And remember to check out techwell.com to learn about our expert training, conferences, and communities for software professionals.